Well, hey, uh, how are we doing, everybody? You guys watching online, great to see you too. Hey, I want to start our time together uh, today with uh, someone who uh, jumped in the chat last Sunday. We were talking about how the safest place in the world for us to doubt really shouldn't uh, be Google. It should be the church. That, that paradoxically, if you've got doubts about God, the safest place that you should bring them is to this place where other people have experienced God and maybe had different experiences than you and it could be a safe place for you to kind of navigate the doubts that you experience. Uh, one woman uh, took a risk last week and just shared with us, uh, we were talking about how we want to be a safe place for people who maybe don't feel like they believe fully, but they want to explore Jesus. And, and here's what she said. It was so beautiful. I love this. She said, um, it's been many years since I felt the Lord, but I came back to Heartland last year. And he stunned me how he came back into my life. She wanted to say how Heartland's making space for her to doubt was the thing that God used. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I just love the fact, I mean, I think that's amazing. I feel like all of you in the room could applaud at that. Uh, I know online, we're grateful for the chat. Uh, thanks for engaging with us. And, and you know who you are. We're just glad that God's uh, moving in your life in that specific type of way. I love the word that she used. She used the word stunned. Stunned. Have you ever been Stunned. Um, lots of things in our lives can stun us, but um, this word that she used, stunned, is really, I think, a great descriptor for the persons who, who we're going to look at their life today. Uh, the biggest doubter that ever lived was stunned by Jesus. Now, last week we talked about Thomas. Thomas is probably the most famous doubter that ever lived, but um, he's not the biggest doubter who ever lived. No, that distinction belongs to this guy named Saul. Saul, uh, if you don't know Saul, we're going to learn about him today in Acts chapter 9. If you've got a phone or a Bible or whatever, just find your way to Acts chapter 9. We'll kind of walk through that together. But Saul, let me just give you a background on him. Saul was a big doubter. He doubted that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And for Saul, the reason that he doubted that Jesus actually rose from the dead, the reason that he doubted that Jesus was God, it all came down to the way that Saul was raised. Isn't that kind of how a lot of things in life go for us? How we were raised kind of gives us a worldview. And here's, here's what I mean. Saul was raised as, a, as a, a Jewish person who believed in God and was really, really uh, careful about the things of God. He was a part of this group called the Pharisees. The Pharisees were this group of people who they really thought that God wanted them to become a moral nation that could experience his covenant blessings based upon how good they were and how well they kept the law. Okay, I just probably turned into like Woodstock and Snoopy and you're like, blah, 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 right? Uh, so, so Saul was an extremist. He thought that the way for, for his people to experience God was through good moral living. So a lot of the times the Pharisees became like the moral police of their day, always going around telling people what to do, what not to do, creating all these laws, creating all these systems. And the reason that Saul didn't, you know, trust that Jesus was raised from the dead, it, it, it really was because he took the Bible seriously. It wasn't because he didn't believe in God. Actually, he believed in God a lot. He took the Bible seriously, particularly the part of the Bible that he read, which was in uh, Deuteronomy. He, he remembered that one part of Deuteronomy that said, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. And so Saul had heard of this person, Jesus, who was crucified. All the people were saying that he had risen from the dead, but in his mind, it didn't jive with his worldview. He couldn't actually come to terms with this idea that someone who had been crucified, who hung on a tree, could actually be God himself, or let alone blessed by God to be raised from the dead. It didn't make sense. These people were crazy. In, in Saul's mind, this was ludicrous. 
And so Saul took it upon himself. He went, I'm not making this up. He went to the chief priests. Because even some of God's priests are chiefs. He went to the chief priests and he said to them, all these people making all this fuss about, about this guy, Jesus, this is not right. This is not helping us become the moral country that we should be. Why don't you let me do something about this? And they gave him authority to go arrest people. And so Saul would actually go all around the region and he would go arrest people who believed in what they called the way, the way of Jesus. And then he would put them in jail because they were, they were causing problems for Israel. Now, here's where we pick up Saul's story right here in Acts chapter 9. Here, here's what it says. I love this story. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, Saul neared Damascus on his journey when suddenly a light from heaven flashed all around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And notice this. I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul uh, stood there speechless, of course. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. So Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And there he stayed for three days. He was blind, and he did not eat nor drink anything. Um, Saul's life is a life, this, this story is a story of moving from doubt to faith. Maybe there's four steps along this journey that Saul shows us about his life, about how Jesus stunned him. And what happens when we have an experience with God that changes our life forever? Now, I want to be clear. This is a remarkable story. Does anybody find this story hard to believe? I mean, it's okay to be honest, right? I find this a little hard to believe. And here's the reason that I find this hard to believe. is because I've never had a bright light shine down upon me and heard the audible voice of God. Now, only like two people in the room raised their hand and said this was hard to believe. So I take it that the other, you know, like 99% of the room has had this experience. Have you had that experience? <laughs> yeah, you have. You're like, no, those are truck lights is what those were. Uh, terrible joke. So, so I've never had this experience. Never. Never had this experience. I've never heard the audible voice of God. And, and, and to be certain, I've, I've um, never been struck blind. And yet what Saul does in this moment is to go persecute Jesus. And on the way, when Saul wasn't looking for Jesus, we see that Jesus was looking for Saul. Isn't that kind of the way maybe you didn't have the blinding light experience, but isn't that maybe more true to the, the story of your life and your faith? Maybe you weren't looking for Jesus, but somewhere in your life, Jesus looked for you and he found you and he kind of got you and shook you up a little bit and said, hey, pay attention to me. Don't be pushing against me any longer. This is what Saul experienced. And I think the first step that he shows us along this journey from doubt to faith, the first step is really something that God does. He gives us an unexpected encounter. I think that doubt is countered by an encounter with Jesus. How do we move from doubt to faith? Well, we do that when we encounter the risen Jesus. I think this is so personal of, of Jesus. 
Isn't this so personal that, that this man who was saying that Jesus is not raised from the dead would appear to him? That he wouldn't take the testimony of other people to be valid, but he had to have his own encounter, his own experience with God. It's so much like Thomas. Thomas said the same exact thing. And, and, and here Jesus did. Last week he came into the room with Thomas and said, hey, check it out, man. I'm actually here. I'm not just raised in people's hearts. I'm physically raised from the dead. Touch my hands. Here's my side. You can believe. But interestingly for, for Saul, he doesn't get the whole like, touch my hand thing, he just gets blinding light and a voice from heaven. I think it's a little strange that Jesus handles Thomas and he handles Saul differently. But if we think about it, it shouldn't surprise us. Because we know this, God is a good, no, he's the best father. If you're a, if you're a parent in the room, I'm learning this lesson um, that sometimes as a parent, I can raise my voice at my kids and get two different reactions. One of my kids, I raise my voice to them and they melt. This happened um, literally yesterday. Same situation, raised my voice at one of my kids, kind of was shocked by one of their behaviors. It was a bad moment of parenting, but I was like, dude, what are you doing? And, and he just melted. And then I turned to the kid who instigated the whole thing and I said, how could you? And he looked at me and he laughed. You've had this before? This is your kids too. It's not just me. Okay, good. All right. Well, we're all kind of growing as parents together to become more, you know, uh, good parents are going to be consistent in their approach or they're going to be consistent in their expectations, but they're going to change their approach to each kid. I just love watching Jesus give these unexpected encounters with people who doubted him. For Thomas, he knew the personal way he needed to come to him was physically to say, look, man, touch here. But for Saul, he had to come with military power. So he blinds him. He incapacitates him. He speaks to him. And it's enough for Saul. Saul um, is led by the hand into the city. And um, I think that's an interesting thing for Saul to have experienced because before this moment of encountering Jesus, he was a military commander who was on a mission and all of a sudden he stopped in his tracks and he has to be humiliated enough to be led into the city by some of the people that he was on this mission with. All of them going towards Damascus, confused as to what just happened and doubting what just took place, but taking steps of faith. I think about this encounter that they had, this unexpected encounter with, with Jesus it strikes me that Jesus encounters us in so many different ways, doesn't he? I, I, um, I was like 17 years old when I think I finally encountered Jesus uh, in a real way in my life. I'm um, what you call a book nerd. You call him that, right? Yeah. And the way that I relate to God is mostly, not always, but mostly through my mind. Like, like I, I love just reading about God and, and studying about God. And it was actually in this moment where Jesus met me when I was doing some study and, and really digging in. And, and, um, and maybe that's you. Maybe you're like an intellectual or someone like that. And you just, you know, Jesus has met you in reason. If that's you, you've got people in your world that are in good company. Guys like C.S. Lewis and, and others who have found reasons for God. But I know that not everybody's like that. And some, sometimes people encounter Jesus through restored relationships through how they experience other people. You know, I, I know one person who told me that 
They started to believe that Jesus was real because what they had done to someone was so egregious, but that person turned to them and forgave them and reconciled with them and gave them a fresh start. And they said it was just like what Jesus had done for them. This person said, well, well I feel like I encountered Jesus through the actions of somebody else. And I know some other people who, who they, um, they could read the books and be like, yeah, whatever. And they could experience you know, other people and they could be like, yeah, whatever. But, but you put them on the side of Yosemite, on the side of the Grand Canyon, on the edge of creation. Get, get me out over the water. Put me on a, 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 you know, a boat in the middle of an ocean. Let me feel how small I am. And, and we'll sing the opposite of that song. You know, you're bigger than I thought. You're, I'm smaller than I thought I was. And a lot of people experience God and they experience Jesus when, when you get outside of kind of the regular hustle and bustle of a city and you go out and you experience the creation that God has given and you realize that you are just a creature in God's creation. And it causes you to encounter Jesus in a different way. Now, however it goes for you, Saul encountered Jesus on this road and it changed his life forever. And, and Jesus told him, after this unexpected encounter, to keep going to where he was going in the first place, towards Damascus. And so I wonder if in his mind, in his, in his blind eyes, Saul thought, well, I've got nowhere else to go. I might as well keep going. And so he led by the hand. He does this next thing. It's the second, second part of the faith journey for Saul. He, he just simply takes a step. And I think when, when doubt stays put, when doubt says, man, this is all gone crazy, this can't possibly be true, when, when doubt speaks words of, of, of negative faith into our hearts that it's too far gone, I think faith is what it is that pushes us to take a step. Here, here's how I think it looks for us all. If I were to chart this out for us, I think, I just want to throw this chart up there. I think there's this, this, this unexpected encounter that happens. And then there's this next step that happens. It's kind of this, this moment where this arrow leads us to take a step of faith. For all of us, you know, we've experienced God in some way or another, but many of us get stuck right here in this arrow. This is an arrow, um, you know, Heartland for a long time has had this phrase of like arrows out. And I just don't want to confuse you because right now in this diagram, the arrows represent doubt. All right. They're not arrows out. They're arrows that doubt. It's a really bad dad joke, um, <laughs> which is the best type of dad joke. So, uh, just, so you have this encounter and then you take a step. Right here, there's this moment of doubt. This moment of questioning. Did that actually happen? D did I get that the right way? Am I hearing you right, God? And Saul takes the next step. He goes to the city. And Saul waits. He waits. And while Saul is waiting, his waiting isn't wasted. For three days, he's just standing there waiting for the next word to come to him. And waiting for the next thing to come to him. And, and by faith, Saul just stayed right there. You know, I think about the story of Abraham. Abraham was told, you know, leave your country and go to the place where I'll, I'll tell you. And Abraham goes, where am I going? And God says, take the first step and then I'll tell you. Ruth is the woman who loses everything in the Old Testament. And she decides to take a step of faith to go with her mother-in-law back to her mother-in-law's home country. And there she encounters Boaz. That's a story from the Bible, not from the Hallmark Channel, by the way. Faith 
often looks in the circumstances around us and sees that things are bleak, that, that we're blind, that we didn't expect it to go this way. And, and where doubt would say, just stay put, just stay there. Faith says, I don't know, but I'm going to take a step anyway. I mean, y'all, there was 13 seconds on that clock last week. Did you watch the same game I did? Any other one of us would have been like, not enough time. Not enough time. We would have, we would have doubted. We would have been like, what? But we got some faith-filled football players, don't we? Who, who looked around and said, there's still time on the clock. There's still hope. 13 seconds. I've never seen anything like it. Have you? Here's my question. Today, if there's 14 seconds on the clock, how are you feeling? You are not. Put that chart back up. Put that chart back up. You're right here. You're right here. Because last week something amazing happened and, and right here you're like, I don't know. Right? I mean, this is the predicament of life for us. I'm using football as like a, an insane analogy, but like, like something miraculous could happen, but then, but then you, you get in this moment of being like, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's real. All right, I'm going to stop talking about the Chiefs. God help them. Um, and I want to talk about you. Because in your life, I think God is always calling us to more. He, he's giving us these encounters and asking us to take a step of faith. If only we would overcome the doubt that exists in us. Sometimes Jesus will allow us to go through moments of waiting. Three days Saul was in Damascus before anything happened. Moments of waiting before he actually shows us and lifts the fog from our heart to see that he's actually working the whole time. You see, when Saul was waiting, Jesus was working. And here's how we know it. It's because there's a second character in the story. There's a guy named Ananias. And, and here's what is bizarre to me is that Ananias goes through the same cycle that Saul goes through. Look at this. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Um, the Lord called to him in a vision... Ananias, like, hey, Siri, yes, Lord. I want Siri to say yes, Lord, back to me, but that's another thing. Yes, Lord, he answered, the Lord told him, watch this, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Now, Ananias is a follower of Jesus. He's living in Damascus. If Saul's mission is successful, this is one of the people that Saul is going to lock up. And Ananias is visited by the Lord in a vision, the same way that Saul was visited by the Lord. And in, instead of kind of being blinded, he's given a mission. He said, go meet with Saul. And I love that in the moments of waiting in our life, God is often preparing a third party to come join us in the midst of our blindness, to come join us on our journey from, from doubt to faith. Ananias was someone uniquely called by Jesus to actually go into the hardest moment, to go put his hand on the, the arm of a sworn enemy and to give him back his sight. And listen, Ananias doesn't like this any more than you like this. He actually looks back at God and, and kind of with some audacity says, I've got some intel that might help you, Lord, with your assessment and your battle strategy. Could, you, could I just tell you what I know? And here's what he says. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports, like there's a lot of us who know this thing, about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests, there they are, to arrest all who call on your name. Translation, God, this is a bad idea. 
Because if he's successful, he's going to lock me up, possibly kill me. Haven't you heard all the disaster? He's not one of us, God. Don't you have any other followers in Damascus named Ananias? <laughs> Unexpected encounter led to a step of faith which in the middle of was doubt. And look at, look at what Jesus has to say to Ananias. He says, but the Lord said, go. This is the second time that Jesus had had to say, go. You know, when I have to tell my kids twice, it's no good, right? He says, go. I think he might have said, go, right? This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show, that's like everybody. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. One day we'll talk about all that. But here's what I want you to see. Then Ananias went to the house. He took a step of faith. I want to show it to you again because we're starting to see these patterns overlap about this doubt to faith experience. And so they have this, this unexpected encounter which, which, which leads to a moment of questioning, which leads to a step of faith. And, and here's what Ananias does. He decides to try it. He says, ah, there's no arguing with you, God. The only way forward is the way forward. And here's where Ananias goes. He, he, um, he shows us that the third step of this journey from doubt to faith is simply follow through. Faith follows through. I don't know if you've ever swung a baseball bat or a golf club or shot a, you know, free throw and you tried not to follow through on your shot. You can make contact, but you probably won't hit it as far as you think you're going to. If you're like a happy Gilmore, kind of like slapping at the ball like it's a hockey puck, it'll dribble down the fairway. You'll get some advance, but it won't go the way it's designed to. I think a lot of us in our doubts to faith experiences, we we know God is prompting us to do something. We know God is calling us to something greater. We know God's calling us to something more. But, but we just take that first step and we try and see like, God, am I doing it right? And, and sometimes we bail before we follow through on the whole thing. The first step is a good step, but there's gotta be a second and a third to go the whole way with what God said. I know, this is a little abstract, so let me share this with um, what, my, what this experience looked like in my life. When I was um, 17, I thought that I had this deep impression. I didn't hear a voice, but I had this deep conviction that God wanted me to give up my dreams for making money and being a lawyer and, and being you know, successful that way. And he wanted me to spend my life learning the Bible and then making it plain for other people. I don't know how as a 17 year old, I knew that this was kind of like what I was supposed to do, but this is the thing that I thought I was supposed to do. This was like the unexpected encounter with God that they really changed the trajectory of my life. But I wasn't sure. I had that, that arrow of doubt of like, like Jesus, is that really what I'm supposed to do? So I remember um, one afternoon I got online and I, um, got an application to a ministry school in Chicago. School that actually turns away more people than they accept. And a school that I didn't know if I belonged at. And so I filled out the application. I left all the good names off the application because I want to know, like, God, are you, are you actually calling me to this? I didn't tell my family I was even applying. 
Later in life, uh, um, my mom told me it was the dumbest thing I ever did was to apply to only this school. I've done a lot of dumb things. I didn't think this was the dumbest thing, but she told me that. She said, that was really not smart. But I had to know. I had to know, like, God, are you calling me down this road? Because if you are, I'll keep walking it. But if you're not, I'd rather cut this off at the pass. Just let me know. Get, like, I'll go, I'll do whatever. I'll go, you know. But, but if this is what you want from me, here's my step. And so I took a step. And it took three agonizing months for that acceptance letter to come back in the mail. Three months in limbo of just like, God, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right thing for me. I don't know if that's what you're calling me to. God, I just really don't know. Will you please make it clear? And then I was accepted. And that unexpected encounter went to a step of faith, went to a follow-through. Well, I took course after course after course and met person after person after person. And that commitment that I made to God all those years ago has led me here today, not, not out of some like miracle, no, no, that's okay. But, uh, but, but just here's how it's played out, right? That one moment, I can trace my entire life's trajectory based upon that one step of faith, that one risk that cost everything that I had so many doubts about. I didn't know where it would lead me. I didn't know how I could do it. I didn't know where it, where it would lead me to. But here's what I've known is that as I've taken that step and as I followed through, there's been and more doubts than I ever could have imagined. Because I moved to Kansas City seven months ago. And I've learned to love y'all, but can we be real? I didn't know. Ryan, I didn't know you were a Packers fan. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I'd be such a huge KU fan. Sorry for their loss last night. I, like, I didn't know that we would connect in such a heart level. I just didn't know. I didn't know. And I had a great environment, a great family back where we came from. But we felt so clearly God pushing us to take a step and to follow through. And all these moments would be moments of doubt. And here's what I want to show you. Uh, that sometimes in life, you've got to just go the whole way. And this is what Ananias does. I want to bring them back into the story because this is where the two of them converge. Then Ananias went into the house and he entered it. Think about the courage this must have taken. He, he laid his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then watch what happens. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This whole unexpected encounter with Jesus, which led to him taking a step, which led to him following through, right? For, for Saul, he just had to stay in the house for three days. He just had to stay. That was his follow-through. For Ananias, he just had to go. He just had to be obedient. He just had to bless Saul. And immediately, God gives Saul his sight back, but more than that, God gives Saul his soul back. And what this does for both of them, where both of their paths converge, I want to just throw this up there. Uh, let's skip all the way to the end, guys. An unexpected encounter yields a step of faith, which goes to follow through, which led them to even more trust. When God works in your life, he doesn't just put you on autopilot. He doesn't just put you on an assembly line and say, here you go, from here on out, it's going to be, you know, perfect until the end and you'll never doubt whether you're on the right track or not. No, 
there's this unexpected encounter which leads to a doubt, which leads to a step of faith, which leads to a doubt, which leads to follow through, which for you and me, we live a lot of our time having done the thing we think God has asked us to do and not knowing if the payoff is gonna be there. For Saul and for Ananias, the payoff was there instantaneously. Once they did this, they got more of this. And they did this with more of this. They had more trust, more faith. This is faith. You know, full circle. That as we take steps of faith and as we follow through doing the things that we can do, God does the things that he does. This is the, the perfect picture of how God encourages and increases our faith. So many of us have prayed, I believe, would you help my unbelief? And Jesus is like, yes, here's the step. Will you take it? And will you take the next one? And will you follow me? Will you follow through? And here's why I put this up and why I went to this passage today is because I think for some of us, this doubt that we experience along the ways of did that really happen and, and does this really, you know, is this really the thing for me or, or for Ananias, don't you think that between the step of faith going to the house and following through with putting his hand on, he, he didn't doubt God, but he doubted Saul? Like, I don't know if this guy can be saved by Jesus. I think there was doubt right here in Ananias' heart where he was like, God, I know what you can do in my heart, but I don't know what you can do in this guy's heart. And yet he followed through. And the follow through led to even more trust, which led to another unexpected encounter, right? Did you guys see that? There's three of them. Immediately he's healed. That's another encounter. He's baptized, which is like old school way of saying like I belong to a new community. And then here's the third one. I actually didn't show it to you. It's, it's the last verse. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Saul experienced this unexpected encounter with Jesus by coming to his people. Don't underestimate the power of community in your life. The power of that third person who's entering into your doubts with you, who's entering into the movement of God with you. The Ananias is that God raises up to help encourage our faith while God encourages their faith too. He spends days with the disciples it shows me that the encounter that I have with Jesus is actually an encounter with his people. Here's, here's, here's what I want you to see. Is that Saul, when he was told, you're now brother Saul, was actually experiencing the acceptance and the welcome of the same people that he was there to persecute. That he experienced the forgiveness of Jesus by his, you know, sure following the, the steps of faith that Jesus had laid out for him, but also by Ananias laying his hand on him saying, we accept you, Saul. Jesus loves you, Saul. We're not here for your harm, Saul, but we're here for your good. And as an act of good faith, we want you to receive the spirit and be able to see again. God brings us into community that we might have a family and that we might be healed. And so here's our, here's our thing. Press in. Press in, take that step, follow through, watch God work. You know, this whole entire cycle, it's, it's, it's the faith journey. It's faith full cycle is kind of what, how I said a full circle. But the real world is just this, faithful, just faithful. You know, you and I at the bottom of all of our doubts is this one question, is God faithful? This is a word that we use to describe that time and time and time and time and time again, God has proven that he is good, that he does what he says, that he's there for me, that he, he promises a good result when I walk by faith, that, that God sees me and he loves me and that he knows me and he calls me by name and he calls me into more. 
The whole entire story of the Bible is a story of God's faithfulness proven time and time again where he's run us all the way through this cycle, sometimes uh, at the speed of light and sometimes over decades he runs us through this cycle. But here's what we've learned is that when we doubt, we doubt this. Is God actually faithful? And here's why it's important for us to name our doubts. Like Ananias names the doubt about Saul. It's important for us to name our doubts and to bring our doubts to God. Because when we're honest with our doubts, Jesus makes space to show us that we can trust him. When we're honest with the thing that we don't think Jesus can do, it illuminates for us the way forward that he does the thing we didn't think he could do. And we're left singing that song, you're bigger, you're bigger. You're bigger than I thought you were. So I wonder what your step is this week. I don't know where you're at on this whole cycle, but I, I wonder what your next step is. For some of you, it's just simply praying, God, would you show me? I don't know if you have the faith enough to ask God, would you blind me if that's what it takes, but would you show me that you're risen, that, that I can have faith in you? For some of us, you've had an encounter with Jesus, but you just said, put off that step. Whatever that step might be. For some of us, it might be, you know, sending out a resume or an application or pulling out your phone and texting the person that you just feel compelled to reach out to and build a bridge of forgiveness back to. For others of us, it might be having a conversation with our spouse just saying, here's what I think God is saying to me. And I've got a lot of doubts about this, but I, I feel like this is where we're going. And that's a risk for many of us, but, but I wonder, what's your step? And then if you would, as you name your doubts in that step, just take those steps, step after step after step. And what we'll find is that God leads us to an even greater faith than even you or I thought was possible. That Jesus leads us and invites us to come and see him. That when we come to him, he holds nothing back from us. That's actually what we're going to be talking about over the next sermon series here starting next Sunday. Pastor Brad is going to be here to kick it off. It's called All Access. It's the perfect uh, series for you to invite one of your friends to come in and, and see how they could have an unexpected encounter with Jesus. And so I hope that you'd find someone who doubts Jesus. And then tell them, hey, there's a church that really is a great place for you just to come with your questions and to come back and to experience more and more and more of him as we all find out that God is faithful. Heartland, we love you. We'll see you next week.